Welcome to She Tells, a podcast about motherhood, friendship, adulting, and everything in between. I'm your host, Marcy. I hope you're ready to join me for today's conversation. Let's get right to it. God could not be everywhere, and therefore, he made mothers. In honor of Mother's Day, we wanted to celebrate all moms, whether you're a first-time mom like myself, a stepmom, a bonus mom, a grandmom, a godmom, a soon-to-be mom, or a pet mom, or just any type of mom. We celebrate you. I want to celebrate my mom for being the most awesome, stylish, loving, best friend mom ever. Lastly, I want to shout out all of the mamas who left voice notes telling us what they love best about being a mom. I wanted to share what I love about being a mom first, and then we'll go right into the voice notes. I was blessed and chosen to be Gianni's mommy. I am so in love with my baby, y'all, and I love being a mom because it has changed me in a lot of ways for the better. I love waking up to her singing and it getting louder if I don't get her from her room in a timely fashion. I love her getting into any and everything and throwing a tantrum when she doesn't get her way. I love her cuddles and hugs and kisses. I love how happy she gets at the smallest things. I love exposing her to new things and watching her face as she takes it all in. I love hearing her laugh. I love when she purposely drops things and says, "Uh uh-oh, oh no. (laughs) I love how smart and funny she is. I love how much joy she brings me even when it's challenging. Overall, I love being a mom because of everything Gianni is. Hi, so my name is Nicole and I have two children. They are 16 and 18. And the best part about motherhood to me is watching them grow. So I know when they were little, you're always like, oh, I want you to stay small forever. But now that I have teenagers, it's just amazing to see um, the men that they are developing into and how their characters are changing and the courses that they're taking in their lives. And so that is the greatest thing for me is seeing, you know, the tools that they were given as children and now seeing them use those to become men and adults. And and I'm very proud of where they're going in their lives. So for me, that is the greatest part is, is knowing them from children and how difficult that could be at times. And then seeing the wonderful men that they have grown into at this point in their lives. The best part about being a mom. So a mom to an almost three and an almost 11 year old both girls and just to see the unconditional love that comes from both of them they're very different but they're they're both so rewarding the two-year-old the love that comes from her is just so pure in a sense that you know her I love you so much means so much because she means that from her heart and she doesn't know how it affects you and my my 11 year old she just has a servant's heart and the things that she wants to do make you something to eat make your coffee rub your feet you know clean for you she just has you know the purest form of love and in a servant's heart just sharing special moments with your kids watching them grow learn new experiences the joys of success and that unconditional love is is where it's at that's that's what i love about being a mom i am the mother of a 20 year old son What I love most about being a mom is watching him evolve from my little boy into an independent, 
ambitious, and hardworking young man as he discovers life. I also love having conversations and spending time with him as an adult. Hello. First, let me just say, I have a son who is about to be 21 months, and I have two bonus children, a daughter who is 14 and a son who is seven years old. So what I love most about being a mother, uh, first is just truly feeling the love that God has for me by giving me the opportunity to not only give life, but to nurture and help develop new life and to give and receive unconditional love well beyond giving and receiving unconditional love to any partner. Also being given the privilege to be a part of a young life's journey to greatness. So that's definitely what I love most about being a mom. Hello everyone, my name is Nikki and I am a mom of two beautiful baby boy, Marquise who is six and Brandon who is four. And I have a lot of reason why I loved being a mom. And um, a few reason is just that they bring so much joy to my life and it give me a sense, a purpose to live and to, to be there for them. Um, I can't imagine my life without them. I love to look at them and the, the joy that I get from just having them around me each day. I'm so grateful for them and I thank God he blessed me with two beautiful baby boy, my angel. What I love about being a mother, now to be honest, I can honestly say that I have always wanted to be a mother um, and I enjoy it. I enjoy it very much. I was blessed and fortunate enough, um, God blessed me with two children. Um, my daughter is eight and my son is four and they are my heart, they are my joy. Um, my favorite part of motherhood is watching them grow and their personalities change and then and just watching them um, grow into their own person. Um, I, I absolutely adore it and love it. Sometimes they do drive me up a wall, but I wouldn't change it for anything in the world. Um, I definitely love, love, love and cherish being a mother. There's so many things I love about being a mother. Um, it's hard to choose one, but um, my favorite is just just the whole process. I mean, from seeing this little speck or what seems like a speck on an ultrasound to now seeing him grow into the person he's going to be. It's just amazing. Um, the other thing I must say is just so um, that I love about being a mom is that he's all mine. You know, you see these cute kids all the time. And it's like, oh, that kid is cute. But this kid is mine. And we created him. And he's beautiful. And he's all mine. I get to kiss him on his mouth. I get to, you know, tickle him and just do all the things. I'm just so happy. He's six months old. So today we have a special guest, someone very special to myself and Gianni. She helped me prepare for my birth. Please welcome birth mentor and childbirth educator and founder of Blossom Beginnings, 
Taryn Monet. Welcome, Taryn. Hello, Marcy. So nice to be talking to you once again. <laughs> it's nice to be talking to you as well. How are you? How have you been? I have been doing very, very well. I am, am coming back refreshed after taking a little break for myself because that was much needed after last year, mm-hmm. <laughs> doing lots and lots of births. And so I've had the opportunity to rest and regroup and ready to serve and help with births again. So doing awesome. good. Awesome. 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 For people who don't know, can you, because the way, like for myself, I would refer to you as a doula, you know, you mentioned helping with births um, and you help prepare, you help me prepare for mine. So can you describe to people maybe what a doula is or what exactly it is that you do and what do you offer that a midwife wouldn't? Because I know a lot of people get confused like with a doula and a midwife, like what the difference is. Yes, absolutely. So when it comes to the difference between a doula and a midwife, I always say my my kind of joke, but also half truth is a doula works. We work from the waist up. Your midwife will deal with the waist down. And that's my joking way of just saying that a midwife is going to actually assist with the medical aspects of your care before your birth, but then also during the birth, your midwife is going to be the one that is actually there um, that will potentially catch your baby as you're birthing and everything like that. But with doulas, we actually are there to assist and help with the preparation process. So we're the link in between your doctor's care and then when you actually go home. Um, Because with the way that the medical world is set up, your midwife or even if you have an OB and obstetrician, they're only going to be able to come into the room so many times while you're giving birth. Even your nurses, they're usually serving more than one person. Your doula is the only person that is there dedicated to you and you only while you are laboring and birthing. And so we develop that relationship before the birth actually happens. We take the time to hear the things that the doctors just don't have the time to hear. So we want to know things about, you know, your your background, your cultural background, things that matter to you and the things that are important that you want to implement into your birth. And we keep that in mind in the birth room. And we assist you a lot of times starting from home and then transitioning to your hospital or your birth center. So we are there with you during the times your nurses and your midwives can't be. Hmm, Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I remember, well, with mine's a little different um, because of COVID during that time. Um, But I do remember you, you know, being very knowledgeable, very available, you know, by phone, unfortunately, and, um, you know, video and things like that. So, you know, it was really helpful to me. And I, I had both. I had a doula, Taryn, and I also had um, a whole mid midwifery practice. Um, so I had different midwives that helped me out. And like Taryn said, yeah, I mean, your nurses, your doctors, your midwives, they come in and out of the room, whereas Taryn kind of stayed around. She wasn't physically in the room, but stayed around on the phone and helped out a whole lot. I do have a question that like for, you know, I mentioned, you know, you helped me during COVID, you know, how were things for you during COVID and how has that changed like your practice? 
Oh, yes. So COVID definitely did have a big impact on the birth world as a whole. And there are a lot of things going on and there was no precedent for it. Right. So people didn't even know what to do. And so I think the, the biggest thing was for a while as birth workers, there's sometimes where we can't even go into the places we traditionally could go to, like, for example, to attend prenatals with our clients. That was no longer allowed because they were limiting, you know, who could actually go into the doctor's offices. And then, of course, the same thing at the hospitals. They were only allowing one support person, which oftentimes was um, you know, a spouse or father of the child or the grandmother. And so a lot of us had to adapt to now serving and helping and coming up with ways. How can we assist these birthing families without physically being in the room? Um, but I kind of look at it. I, I think it was a good thing that happened because it, it it forced us to have to be able to be more creative in how we assist birth. I can speak for myself. I really started beefing up my prenatal care and what I offer to clients prenatally, because I always say, I want to give you as much information as I possibly can and have you be the most confident you can possibly be just in case we never know policies can change at the drop of a hat. When you go into that birth room, do you have the skills and the knowledge that you will need to be able to have a positive birth experience? Um, And so that really made me take the focus off of it just being me, (laughs) being the sole supporter, but really wanting to spend more time with the birth partners. You know, um, what information do they need to do to best support the the birth giver? Um, And I have to think about that. What if I'm not physically there? So, yeah, I would say that that was the biggest adjustment, but I think it was definitely positive um, because now we're doing, we're thinking about things and doing a little bit more now. Yeah. Yeah. What made you want to become a doula? Like what interested you in doing this? Yeah, that's a question I get asked a lot of times because people are like, what on earth would make you want to do something like this? Um, But I always say that I feel like people who are doulas, they're born to be doulas. Um, It's something that's like innate in you from the very, very beginning. Uh, For me, I can say I came up in a home where my mom, my sister, and my godmother regularly talked about my mother's birth story when she had me. And so the idea of my mother having a natural birth, she always talked about how she preferred um, her um, having a physiological birth, which just means you don't have any type of medical interventions, Mm -hmm. Um, how she enjoyed that experience more than when she had my sister 14 years prior to my birth. Mm. And she talked about how important it was for her to have that support, which at that time was my sister and my godmother, because once again, you know, you know, my sister's father was at war when she gave birth to my sister. And then for me, my father was actually away at work. So she was talking about how important it was to have support how important it was um, to allow the birth process to be as physiological without uh, unnecessary interventions as possible. She really spoke positively about me 
My mother also really talked about all of the different positive things that she felt like, you know, the difference between, you know, breastfeeding with me and then formula feeding with my sister. And so um, she really encouraged those type of things, you know, physiological birth, breastfeeding. And she always encouraged me that it was possible, but the main thing was to have a good support system. So that was always in my mind anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I that really stuck with me. And what really triggered it is when my sister got pregnant. At that point, I was about 12 years old. And because I had always heard about my own birth story, my mom having me, Um, I was excited to participate in someone else's birth story. And so, you know, I called myself at 12 years old being prepared. And so I read all the books and all the magazine articles and everything I could get my hands on at the age of 12. (laughs) And I really fell in love with the ability of the woman's body and the way that the woman's body is perfectly designed to create life to nurture life, to birth life. I mean, I really fell in love with that. And I can say for myself, that actually shaped a lot of my identity mm-hmm. um, and it, just my own self-esteem and how I looked at myself. And I really, as I, as I started learning more about what's going on in our current healthcare system and seeing how you know, it didn't always go in alignment with the things that my mom had taught me and the things that I was reading, it really made me want to advocate for, you know, those, those, those innate things that women's abilities and what they can do for their body. I really wanted to be a mouthpiece to help and encourage women. Yes, you can do this if this is what you want to do and you can do it even at a hospital, you know, and, um, As time went on, uh, I think what really led me to do it is when I got laid off from my traditional job, I had some time on my hands and my sister actually encouraged me. She's like, you know, you're so passionate about birth work. Why don't you find a way of, you know, doing something to help with, you know, facilitate your passions while you're in this off time searching for a job? And so I actually started volunteering at a pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Center and fell in love with the, the parents there and started doing childbirth education there. And from there, it just continued to grow, continued to grow. And I think the biggest thing was people were like, I just wish you could come to my birth. I just wish you could be there. And then I started thinking, well, how could I do that? How could I really be more involved and hands on in helping them go through this birth journey? And that's when that's when I remembered that, um, oh yeah, I can't, I always read about this doula thing. <laughs> and so then I just started researching how I could become a doula and have been moving forward ever since. So it's continuing to grow and develop over time, but oh, yeah. That is such an awesome story. It really is. Even you helping me, maybe, you know, I even text you one day and I was like, how do I become a doula? I would love to do that. <laughs> helping to prepare and bring babies in is such a beautiful thing. It's such a blessing, you know, kudos to you and your knowledge and, and just your passion to want to do that and following your passion period. You know, I think that is awesome. Yeah. Kudos to you. (laughs) How do you prepare moms for birth? Like, what is your, do you have like one, like advice that you give them or is it, is it a combination of things that you do to help a mom prepare for birth? 
I would say if I had to narrow it down, I know you said one thing, but this is kind <laughs> of like a, a two point thing, yeah, right? That's fine. Because a lot of times I think people go into birth almost like kind of gung ho thinking that giving birth and preparing for birth is almost like writing a wish list, you know, and putting it on a piece of paper, kind of like what you would send to Santa, right? Like, I want this. I don't want this. I want this. I don't want this. And that's not a bad way to start. But the main thing that I like to help my clients reach is okay, you know that you maybe want like an unmedicated birth. Sometimes that's what people say to me, not always, but sometimes. And I say, okay, why is it that you want an unmedicated birth? Why is that actually important to you? So formulating your why with your decisions are really, really important. It's not good enough to say, oh, well, it sounds good, you know, because I'm telling you in the throes of birth, those hormones are coming in, you're feeling those contractions, there's a doctor that's in your face, probably, you know, a nurse coming in, it seems like every half hour asking you if you want pain medication, you're going to have to really understand why and be firm on why you are making the choice that you're making. So that's going to allow you to not just simply make a decision and put it on a birth plan list, but that's going to allow you to actually do the follow through, if you will, with that decision, because now you're going to know why you're going to know why that's important for your baby. And so when you have a doctor in your face, that's really kind of pushing for their own agenda or what they think is best for you, right? You will actually be able to say, well, think whatever I am choosing. And within yourself, you know why you are making that decision. That's very important because if you don't have that firm why, it's so easy to be influenced by fear, to be influenced by um, someone that has a whole bunch of medical degrees <laughs> and that you don't have. Um, and then the opinions of other people. So yeah. before, you know, it's nice to make those beautiful birth plans, but know that choice for yourself to the second part of that is to make sure that you have a very supportive network of people around you. I think that that can be a really big spirit killer. Sometimes we want people to be intimately involved with our birth because we love them and they're our mother or our auntie or our best friend or our sister. But we also know that sometimes their opinions can be a little bit toxic or it can influence you. And it can be really, really easy to down and give in during times where maybe your doctor is really pushing you to get an induction when you don't want to have a induction done because it's not medically necessary. And then you have your doctor pressuring you and then you have your friends and your family. And it, you know, it can almost make you just want to give up and say, fine, I'll just go ahead and do it. But if you know the reason behind why you don't want a medical intervention, unless it's actually necessary, then that's going to give you that strength and stick to your choices. So that's what I say, have a great team of people around you, but, and develop your sense of why, why behind the decisions you're making. Oh, that that's really good advice. I mean, and I, I agree. And I, I almost feel a little triggered here because as you know, I mean, <laughs> no, you gave me, a, you really gave me a lot of great information I felt empowered. I felt like I knew. I don't know if you remember 
Uh, my doctor's speaking to me about getting induced around 38 weeks. And I was like, no. And I think I went back to you and explained, I was like, they want to induce me. And you, you, you know, you had a nice long talk with me and, and, you know, we did a little more research and digging and I went back to my doctor and, and gave them talking points that you gave me and just things to kind of bullet points to kind of mention with them. And they actually extended it like another week. Um, and the reason why I had to get induced was because of high blood pressure. Um, even though my blood pressure was, was actually pretty normal the entire pregnancy. So I don't know what they were talking about. It didn't matter because Gianni ended up coming on the actual due date, but through an emergency C-section. So that's why I said I, I felt seen, but you know, I did feel prepared, you know, everything, yeah. honestly, everything that you showed me and my mom, cause my mom was my support person. One thing that I'm glad that you talked about was not being like tied to the bed per se and and being able to move around freely in the room, have a a device that basically monitored my heart without me having to stay hooked up to the machines um, that are by the bed. And so like I things that I, I don't usually see people have, like I requested a ball you know, I was bouncing on the ball. I was doing all types of things that I don't see people necessarily doing. I mean, I'm glad I had all that, even though I ended up having an emergency C-section anyway. But <laughs> but yeah, at least I did feel between the birthing classes and also the birthing classes that you gave, which which gave a world of information as well as, you know, just having you available really, really did help a whole lot. And I felt really great and empowered and knowledgeable going into my birth. So, um, so yes, what do you have a takeaway after each birth, birthing experience that you have? Like, is there something you take away? Yes. Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned that because you even going back and saying, you know, Oh, and kind of delving into your birth story. And it's true. I, I look at every single client that I work with, it's almost like they give me a piece of fabric that I can build a quilt with, right? And that Mm -hmm. quilt gets a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. I know that for a fact, I have told parts of your birth story to some of my other clients to give them encouragement or um, to give them a a different frame of looking at things. And Mm -hmm. it's like that with all clients. Of course, they're just hearing, I had a client who, you know, But it all becomes part of that's why I'm like, it's so great to work with different people of different backgrounds because we are getting wisdom from one another, right? Yeah. yeah. So don't feel bad if your birth story is comes out a little bit different than what you were expecting. It's still birth. Yeah. You know, you went through the process, you went through the birth process, and at the end of the day, you do have a beautiful, gorgeous little girl, <laughs> Thank you. you know, you change the whole shape of this world just by bringing, you know, Gianni here into yeah. this earth and you brought her safely and in love and you brought her prepared. You didn't just wing it. <laughs> yeah. And even as you know, the plans of birth kind of, you know, started changing and going in a different direction than you initially expected, Would you say, I'll ask you this, if you don't mind me asking, from what I'm hearing, did you feel like you were more prepared for handling 
the the different kind of ebbs and flows of birth as that shifted and changed? Did it feel, did you feel more confident than, than you would have without the support? Um, I would like to think so. I think because, you know, as a first time and only time <laughs> mom, uh, that I, <laughs> that maybe I was a little naive and ignorant and thinking like, oh, you just go in and you're going to have the baby. And it's just, you know, easy, easy, not easy peasy, but I didn't really have a whole lot of reference outside of, I, and I think I mentioned this when we first spoke initially, you know, I saw a friend give birth to a baby, um, her baby, and it scared the daylights out of me because I saw the, when they gave her the epidural and the needle was so huge and she felt it. And I was like, oh, hell no, I will not be getting an epidural. Two days in, because <laughs> I was in labor for 48 hours, but about a day and a half in, I was like, please, I, yes. I need that epidural. And I was one of the ones that, so I was laughing in my mind, in my head, when you were talking about people saying they wanted an unmedicated birth. That was me. I was like, no, my mom had three kids naturally, no medication. I mean, I come from her. I can do that. She also was never in labor as long as I was. So with that being said, exactly. a day and a half yeah. of being in labor and nothing happening. No, go ahead and, and give me that medication. And, you know, I was, <laughs> but I will say yeah. to answer your question. Yeah, I, I think I was much better prepared than um, I probably would have been just going in. I mean, even from like the, I think the books that you recommended for me to read and things like that. And it's so funny because I actually listened to a podcast earlier today and they mentioned the book that you had um, referred. And is it Ina? Yeah, Ina Minigaskins. Yes, that book. I mean, it is very informative. It's an old book, but it's still very informative. And you read about these different births and things like that. And so I think, yes, I was, I think I was a lot more prepared uh, going into my birthing experience than I would have if I would have just, just went in. Yeah. Yeah. And here's the thing, like, you know, when we talk about wanting to reduce medical interventions, we're talking about wanting to reduce them when they are unnecessary. Right. Okay. The reality is in your situation, you, you did not go into what we would call spontaneous labor, which means labor is happening on its own. Right. We are actually starting your labor with medication, right? right? So it's changing the normal dynamics of the birth process right there. Right. And we always hope that the, the body quickly just kind of goes with the flow of it and, and, and that we're able to proceed with as little interventions after that point. But the reality is there's this thing called the cascade of interventions. Usually when you start one, it opens up the likelihood of you needing more Mm -hmm. does extend. So one of those things, and that's one thing that we talked about with interventions, they tend to be a longer process. And so you do have where you're birthing for you know, a 48 hour period of time. And in that situation, you know, a medical intervention such as an epidural is really, really helpful and something we would embrace because of two things. Number one, it allows you to get the much needed rest that you need after a day and a (laughs) half, right? You're going to need some rest after that. And 
Also, when your body is able to fully relax, it actually helps your your natural oxytocin levels go up, which at that point can help your labor move forward. So there are some benefits definitely with using, you know, I'm not one of those doulas that are like anti-epidural by any means. Mm-hmm. I am pro using epidural when it is beneficial, yeah. Um, yeah. when it really helps you to be successful. And I have definitely seen enough births where I have seen epi- epidurals be an amazing weapon to help, or I shouldn't say weapon, but a tool of <laughs> <laughs> women be able to get the the type of birth that they want, you know, a successful vaginal birth, you know, so I don't like to demonize medical interventions. We just don't want to introduce them so haphazardly and we don't definitely don't want them to be routine. And so, yeah, I think in your case, when you were saying that you were ready for the epidural, I'm like, yeah, you know, that may be a good idea. You haven't rested in, over 24 hours. Yeah. It's time. It's time to give your body a rest. So yeah. And that's, and that's just part of those. There is an aspect of birth that is completely unknown. Yeah. And so all we can do is have that information. And so that we understand, you know, when an epidural may be necessary and then, okay, if that's necessary, what does that process look like? What are the pros and cons of getting the epidural? What are the risks? What are the benefits? Um, Those are the things that you want to have, that wisdom you want to have prior to birth. Um, Now, if you had no idea what the process would be like or what to expect, uh, that could be a much, much scarier process for you. And of course, that fear factor can actually slow down your birth, which is the exact opposite of what we want to happen. So. Yeah. 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 How many births have you actually attended? Because you mentioned the many births. So I'm I'm like, I'm curious, like how many births have you actually attended? Professionally for me, I'm trying to actually think at this time, because of course, with last year, I definitely went up some more. I have done, I would say about 40 some births and I am the type of doula. So you have some doulas that will do like six births a month. I am not that doula or I've even heard of some that do more than that. Um, I am a doula that really takes my time with each client I work with. And because of that, for me, I cannot take on more than like two, three max in a month time. Okay. So for me, um, when I do births, you know, over the last, um, I think it's been four years for me now, four mm-hmm. or five years for me now, I definitely take my time with each client. Um, so yeah, with that, it's been about 40 some births right now that I've done, not to mention those that I've helped people that aren't necessarily in the DMV area, mm-hmm. but they're uh, in other states as well, um, assisting in them preparing for birth. So, yeah, I I, I feel like um, when you come into birth work, you start helping in different ways. So even if you're not physically attending a birth, you're helping with childbirth education, mm-hmm. helping sometimes with just the prenatal part of the process, depending on some people, they're like, hey, I'm on my fifth birth, but I haven't given birth in six years. (laughs) So we just work more so on the prenatal part. So um, 
with all those, I like to at the end talk with each client that I work with through a postpartum visit mm-hmm. and kind of have them rehash their birth experience. So with that, I gather wisdom from all of these different births. So while I've attended about 40 some births. Oh my gosh. I probably have feedback. I know from over a hundred, 200 births. So wow. yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what is the best part about your job? What do you overall? Yeah, I think what I love, you know, what my favorite thing is, and this is something that um, I, I get when I'm able to attend a birth in person or even over the phone, there is a point in time, there's a peak of birth where there's a time when you realize this birth is a force all on its own. I can't control it. And this baby is coming (laughs) and there's this part where I feel like the birthing woman realizes I'm going to have to surrender to this process (laughs) and allow my body to get this baby out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) and where you almost have to abandon your fear and just submit to that birth process. And for many, many women that I've worked with, it's like, I can feel that shift that happened inwardly in her, where she goes from being super nervous and trying to control to like surrendering to the process. And then that's where I say, you see this super woman quality come out of that birthing person and you see that fire and everybody in the room sees it, you know, and it's amazing. And I think that's the most gratifying thing to witness. But I also love when I see that moms are recognizing that in themselves. Like I did not know that I was a fighter like that. I didn't know that I could push through when I was at the brink and saying, I can't give any more. I was still able to birth this beautiful human. It's a really beautiful process to witness that. That is hands down my favorite thing. Um, and it's just beautiful to be able to see whether it's, you know, the, the father of the child or the aunt or the best friend or the grandmother be able to see that the birthing person do that. It's just, it's incredible to be part of that process. That's hand down my favorite thing. Oh, that's so sweet. I, I didn't get to experience that, but I, I still brought home a, a beautiful, healthy little baby, big headed baby, yes. but, but that's great. So uh, what is one piece of advice that you would give someone that wanted to maybe become a doula who was interested in birthing services? Yes. So I will say the doula climate right now is very, very interesting. <laughs> and I say that because We've got a lot of good things happening in the industry right now. So on one hand, we have finally states recognizing across the country how helpful doulas are and how important we are to the childbirth continuum, meaning when that birthing person leaves the doctor's office, who is there to be the, uh, the I would say, the, the witness to this family's journey? What's going on? What do they need help with? Are we, are we listening to what the birthing mother is going through in her healing process? Are there some things that, you know, we need to add to the healing and recovery process that maybe the doctors have missed? Um, 
And so now that finally we have, you know, so to speak, the powers that be recognizing how doulas are an integral part in protecting women, we now are seeing for the first time ever, you know, people starting to include doulas in um, legislation and starting to include them in different programs that the states are trying to come up with. And I think it's going to be... it's going to be a while before we get there, right? Because any type of change usually takes on average about 10 to 15 years to happen. Mm -hmm. But the beautiful thing is that we're seeing the balls rolling in that. So that's really, really exciting. But we're also seeing while that's happening, we're also seeing hospitals respond in certain ways where they're being more restrictive on who can act as a doula. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one of the biggest things that we're seeing right now is doulas in certain areas being restricted as you have to receive a certification from, you know, uh, doula organization X, Y, Z. So there's I always refer to them as the big three. (laughs) And there's many doula organizations, you know, nationally available. Mm -hmm. But there's three in particular that are considered. the, the, the big wigs, right? Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. particular organizations are mostly Caucasian run mm-hmm. co- businesses where we're seeing the doula organizations that um, are for, are from other communities. Uh, for example, there's, there's lots that I particularly know of because I am a black doula. There's a lot of black doula organizations that are being left out and not being considered part of a quote unquote legitimate doula organization. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we have to fight through. But I also say that's something to be aware of for new doulas coming into the industry. That is a thing Um, before. I, I think this is the most you know, certification is something that's optional. Being more than ever, I think that certification is more and more and more going to become a more important thing as the industry moves forward. So what I would recommend for any doula getting into the game, definitely go in mentally, not just taking a training, but preparing to be certified as well. Mm -hmm. Certification, depending on the organization, Um, can be anywhere from a couple of months to some of them you're going to have to be um, in training for over a year, uh, a year plus in order to get that certification. But I definitely recommend every single doula doing it. And for doulas that come from like me, I'm a black doula, you really do have to put in some thought into what organization you want to align with. Does that organization represent what you want to bring to the table, representing women in your community? Are they supporting the things that you care about? I think that the, this is going, what I'm seeing, that's going to be a more and more important dynamic moving forward. So I always like to put that in the ear of every single doula. But if you want to start, it really begins with a training. The training is um, a four-day training. Um, And then they'll have you, depending on the organization, they'll have you do births, a a certain amount of births. Of course, you have to do a lot of reading. They usually have a reading list that they want you to go through. So just be prepared to go through whatever that organization is requiring for certification. 
Um, and so this isn't something where you're just going to wake up and say, oh, I'm going to be a doula and serve families. This is something that you have to go into this work really preparing. I'm going to educate myself and go to the tr- this training, but it is actually a lifetime commitment of learning, just like nursing or uh, dental assisting, any other type of health related field, you are continuously going to be learning. So this is not the type of thing where you're going to do a four day program and that's it. Right. It's just not going to happen. Right. Um, you cannot learn uh, supporting families like that. So just be prepared to go into it, knowing that you are constantly going to be a student as a birth worker. That's just what it is. <laughs> and a lot of times we're learning from mothers like you. So you were my teacher and I was the student, you know, every <laughs> single time. Um, that's the relationship. And that's, that's how I go into it. I'm going to share some of my wisdom with you, but ultimately I'm learning from you. We're learning from each other. Yeah. And see, that's why I didn't even bother, but that's not to discourage (laughs) anyone. Uh, I don't, I don't, I just don't have the time to do all the reading and the training, but I think it's fascinating. I think it's awesome. Um, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty cool in my book. So yeah, thank you for that. So Taryn, where can listeners find you if they're interested in finding out more about you and more about your services? Absolutely. I am available on blossombeginnings.com. There you can connect with me, parents, if they are wanting support, but also for doulas too. I do offer some training and mentorship. So you can find me on my website. I'm also available on Facebook or Instagram. My handle is Taryn the Doula, D-O-U-L-A. And you can connect with me on either of those platforms as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Taryn, thank you so very much for joining us today. Thank you for your expertise and your knowledge. And as always, it was a pleasure. And thank you for helping me and Gigi. She does offer postpartum um, services as well, y'all. So please, you know, take advantage of that too. But thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So I like to end my day by remembering and acknowledging everything I was grateful for, big or small. As Sterling K. Brown has said, always have an attitude of gratitude. And so now we're moving on to the grateful list. As always, I'm grateful and blessed for so many things, but I am extremely grateful to have found a sitter last week for Gigi so that I could attend my company's gala. It was a lot of fun. It was really nice to get dressed up and see people I haven't seen in a very long time. So, yeah, I'm also grateful that Gigi uh, was able to do a trial day at a new daycare and it actually went well. Not that I'm surprised. Well, I'm a little surprised. I was actually very nervous. So I am very grateful that it went well for Gigi and for myself, too. And lastly, I am grateful for my mama and all that she does, even when she gets on my nerves, and I'm I'm sure the feeling is mutual, <laughs> but I love my mommy very, very much. Happy Mother's Day. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe, and share with a friend or two or a few. Also, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at 
She Tells Pod. As always, be good to yourself and take care of you.